Welcome to the River Downstream, our podcast. Here are a couple announcements about what is happening with us in the upcoming weeks. As most of you know, we had a session on the Human Sexuality Report put out by the Christian Reformed Church on September 17th, where we went over how the denomination is moving forward and how that interacts with what we believe at the river. We wanted to hear from you, the congregation, what you wanted to know or learn more about as we move forward with these discussions. Most people wanted to learn more about how to read your Bible and the biblical texts on homosexuality. So on November 1st at 7.30 p.m., we will be hosting a How to Read Your Bible seminar here at Melbourne Community Life Center. We'd like to thank Reverend Bill Neuenheis for leading us during this seminar. On November 26th, Reverend Peter Rockhold will be sharing a How to Read the Texts teaching during our worship service. You've asked many good questions, so there are still more sessions to come as we journey together. Our Zambia partnership is evolving, and we are sending a team over to Zambia in January 2024. We are looking for volunteers to go and would appreciate any responses or interest as soon as possible. We had flights booked this time last year for the same trip, and it helps us plan so the trip can go as smoothly as possible. If you're interested, please contact Melissa Hillary at M-A-L-I-S-S-A at rivercommunity.ca. This week, we had Ron DeVries with us. He is the Youth and Emerging Adult Ministry Consultant for the CRC of North America. And Andrea, who introduced him on Sunday, made sure to ask what his favorite snack was. And it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Enjoy. Quite honestly, that's the first time I've been asked that question before I come on and speak somewhere. We, uh, my wife and I attended a funeral on Friday, and a good friend of ours passed away. We belong to Covenant Christian Reformed Church just on the west side of the city, and one of his favorite snacks, the gentleman who passed away, was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups as well. Yeah, yeah, and so wonderfully, as I left the, the funeral, uh, one of the people who was um, preparing all the food had a bag of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which he graciously gave to me because she knew I was traveling out of the country again tomorrow. So I said, thank you very much. It's so good to be with you here this morning. Um, as you heard, I work for the denomination as the Youth and Emerging Adult Ministry Consultant. Um, some of you may wonder, what exactly does that mean? Uh, well, let me just say it in a few short words. I get to hang out with people like Bill Newenhouse. Uh, who's in the back table over there, who uh, does great work in this classes. And my role is to support what Bill does and what uh, people like Bill do across Canada and the U.S. Uh, to, to hopefully find ways to uh, create um, healthy youth ministry in our, in our churches, uh, walk with churches as they wrestle with the big questions around that, um, and just to support them in the best way I can. And so tomorrow I'm actually leaving for Grand Rapids again and going to be working with a group of people around what does intergenerational mentoring look like? And how important is that when we think about the work that we're called to do within our local churches? And we believe that that's such an important part of our discipleship model is mentoring and intergenerational connections. So this morning, um, we are going to be looking at 1 Kings, um, and you're thinking, yeah, that'd be a fun, fun chapter to look at, a fun book to look at this morning, but we're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, um, and uh, there's some Bibles in front of you. I encourage you, 
uh, to open them and follow along. We're going to be looking at the first nine verses of this text. Uh, this has been a text that has been renumerating within me for the last little while, and I pray that, that God will speak to you through this text as well. So before we uh, read this text together, let me um, pray um, that God will lead us through this word. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Creator, Father, God, we come to you this morning in, in so many states of being. Some of us are tired. Some of us are feeling somewhat distracted. Some of us are really not sure what to expect. We pray that your Spirit will calm our anxieties and that your Spirit will inspire us with your words and your wisdom. May we be challenged and stretched. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. All right. Um, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, I encourage you to open up your Bible app uh, if that feels comfortable for you. Or just listen to the words. 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, the first nine verses. Now Ahab, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid. He was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of the Lord. The world has often been a place where, um, where we as creatures have felt overwhelmed by the complexities of its existence. Just when we think we've got things sorted out, we've got all this stuff figured out, a new shiny trinket shows up in front of us, into us in, in, and finds us in a direction of saying things like, what? Right? How is that even possible? It can be confusing, and it can often be very frustrating. And so in, in our pursuit of, of trying to fulfill our callings, to fulfill, to live out who we are as created beings made in the image of the Creator, sometimes life can mess with us. How many people have had those moments? Right? 
Maybe it's a biological question. Maybe it's uh, an existential question. Maybe it's a personal question. Why did she have to die? Why are they angry? Why am I confused again? Why, God? Why? As humans, we wrestle with this. Now, some of you may know this. I think most of you will not know this, but some of you know this, that I've often been shamed by my obsession with 1970s classic rock music. Right, Faith and Corey? <laughs> and it's not really an obsession. It's more of a preference since that was the era I grew up with as a teenager. And if I'm going to be completely transparent with you all, um, it's an era that produced many amazing works of art, Right? Yeah, I know. Yep. Now, some of you may find your way to disagree with me, and that's fine. Find me after the service, and we can talk about that. (laughs) But one of those musical gems highlights this struggle that we're talking about, where we as humanity seem to constantly be dealing with, which can often lead us to the moment where we want to run away from the pressures to perform, the pressures to measure up Maybe we even want to run away from our problems. A reviewer uh, once shared that the song, and some of you may have heard this song before, um, a song called Dust in the Wind by the band Kansas, right? Um, A reviewer said it's an abstract, beautiful song about the fleeting nature of life. Now, Carrie Livgren, who is the uh, musician who wrote this song, is thought to have based, actually, the theme of this song, uh, the lyrics of Dust in the Wind, to um, a section found in the book of Ecclesiastes, actually, which states, in modern translation, I reflected on everything that is accomplished by man on earth, and I've concluded everything he accomplished is futile, like a chasing after the wind. Livgren actually is, is quoted, quoted as saying, I, I was reading a book on uh, American Indian poetry one day, and I came across this line, for all we are is dust in the wind. And, and I thought, yeah, well, you know, that's really true. Here I've got all this success. I've got these material possessions. I've got a goal in my life that's been mostly accomplished up to that point, and I'm going back into the ground. What does this really mean in light of all that? And he continues, he says, and that's kind of the message of the song. But the amazing thing is that so many people identified with it. And it's true. I've run into so many people that when I I talk about this, um, many people really do resonate with it. The message of of one life's, of, of one of life's dreams, of life's troubles, and possessions being insignificant in the vast expanse of the universe. The idea that we're only here for a short time, yet we are so often wrapped up in our own individual drama of our own lives that we fail to see the bigger picture. What's interesting about Kerry Livgren is, is that he became a follower of Jesus Christ shortly after this song was written and shortly after the album Point of No Return in which the song is found was released in 1977. The last verse of the song says these words. Now, don't hang on. 
Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away, and all your money won't another minute buy. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. How many of you are humming along with me right now? It's really easy to interpret this verse as depressing, as it seems that the lyrics are suggesting that there's nothing worth hanging on to, even even the good things like love, like friendship, because they too will fade away. I, I believe that the positive side of this is that the things that bother us are also meaningless, so that we can choose to focus on things that bring us joy instead of stressing over the pressures placed on us by the world. But friends, i got to ask you, what is this joy? What is this joy that he's talking about here? Getting back to the text, uh, and I want you to open up your Bibles and follow along here, we, we find Elijah running from the, the, the pressure of worldly concerns. To be clear, this mighty prophet of God is running away. Elijah was doing what he was commissioned to do, and in all the chaos, felt completely and overwhelmingly done. But to really grasp what was happening in this moment, to really fully understand why this place came to where he is, you got to recap chapter 18. So if we do that, if, if we look at this, um, we dive into this, we, we find that as the only living prophet of God, or so he thinks, so he thinks, he confronts the prophets of Baal and challenges them to invite Baal to come and present himself to the people by providing ignition to burn up the offerings made to him. And in the text, we actually come across what I find kind of a humorous moment when Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, at noon, when there has not been any response, shout louder. Surely Baal is a god. Perhaps he's asleep. Or maybe he's just busy in thought. I know, he's traveling somewhere. Maybe he's sleeping. He's got to be awakened. And so what do they do? They shout louder. Then they start cutting themselves. Then they start prostrating themselves. They prophesied until evening and nothing happened. There was absolutely no response. Then Elijah does something here that sets up a reminder of, of days gone by and foretells the, the coming future. He repaired the altar of the Lord, and he took the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Jacob. And with the 12 stones, he, he built an altar to the Lord, and he dug a trench around it. He arranged the wood on it, laid the bull pieces on the wood, then had the offering and the wood drenched with so much water. My friends, it was just dripping the wood in the offering in the trench was just overflowing with water. Could you imagine the scene? It would be sitting right here in front of us, and it was just completely soaked. Then he called on the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and he let it be known today that the one true God is the God of Israel, and that Elijah was God's servant, 
and has done all these things at God's command. He says, answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know you, Lord, that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Immediately, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood, the stones, the soil. It even licked up the water in the trench. Could you imagine it? How many of you guys like Marvel movies? Right? It's the big moment, right? At the end, everybody's winning. That's, the, that's what you're hoping for, the end game, right? And all of a sudden, boom, the winner takes it all. The hero kind of felt like that moment. It was a big budget movie. The big reveal happens and the good guy wins. And after witnessing this, the people said, the Lord, he is God. Like that was a big moment in that time. A big moment. And then chapter 18 ends and then Elijah rightly prophesying that the rain is coming and it did. The drought was over. The prophets of Baal were destroyed, and God was declared the Lord of Israel. Like, it was a good day, my friends. It was a really, really good day. But then that's where we pick up our text. Jezebel. Oh, my goodness, Jezebel. Once she had heard from Ahab all that had happened, she was, she was livid. She was so angry that she sent a message to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of those dead Baal prophets. Oh. Oh. So what does Elijah do? He runs. He preached Sunday morning, and Monday morning showed up. He was done. I've had those moments, believe me. <laughs> he preached Sunday morning and Monday morning showed up and he was done. He had a mountaintop moment only to be dragged down to the bottom of the cavern. His en energy was just tapped out. Now he's reacting as a, as a human being does when we're hungry, when we're tired when we try to rely on our own power. So he runs. And the journey seems to take forever. Friends, every call from God is a journey of incredible challenges, always requiring us, uh, always requiring more than what we have and really needing God and what He can only provide. Elijah was exhausted. He had enough. I don't know if you've ever had moments like that where you were doing everything that was asked of you and then the attack came, right? Someone disagreed with you. The pressure was on, right? Very tense moments. And your response is layered within the tiredness of your being. And you kind of feel like Elijah saying, I'm just done. This powerful moment, this powerful prophet in, in just a, a small slice of weakness, a small moment of weakness confesses to his doneness. 
I can't go on anymore. And he gets to that last place. Take my life. Take my life. But notice what happens here. Nowhere is there an answer given in that particular moment. What's given is rest. And the table is set for him. A meal of sustenance and hope. The water provides restoration and the, and the bread provides strength. In the wilderness of his pain, in the wilderness of his weakness of wrestling, God shows up and offers something more than the answer to his prayer. In the wilderness, God shows up in a gentle whisper And it's here that God listens to his child and asks, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Then Elijah shares his heart in the presence of his father, unburdening his soul. He's heard, he's cared for, and he's loved. He's just so loved. This table was set for him. And through the presence of God, the Word showed up. And the Word became joy. Not joy of something that really focuses on everything we want, like that new bike or that new car, that new perfect laptop or the best house. It's not there, friends. It is not there. The true joy found in the table of the Word. The Word that became flesh and bore the pain of our pain. The sorrow of our losses. And provided the sustenance we need to carry on, even when it seems like it's too much. Joy found in the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. True joy, my friends, can only be found there. can only be found. The table of the wilderness finds us when we stop our running for a moment. I don't know about you all. Bill and I have had conversations about how busy life seems to be, right? We feel like we're running all the time from one thing to another. When do we pause for a moment to rest in the comfort of our Lord Jesus Christ? It's hard. Has the wilderness in some way shaped the way you live out God's call in your life? Have you waited long enough for God to show up with bread and water? Hmm. Andrew Root is a modern-day theologian, commentarian, who, who writes all kinds of stuff around youth ministry and faith formation, really focused on a secular age and... Um, in one of his most recent books, and I got I to gotta admit, friends, he just kind of poops out books like crazy. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> he really does. But one of his last books uh, called Churches and the Crisis of Decline, he writes this. The church that seeks God by waiting attended to its relationship with the world. It does so by actively embracing the world. He continues, they wait by praying and reading Scripture. They wait by entering the world to be with it, 
and for it. They enter the world by being in friendship and service, by contemplating art, remembering history. They wait by seeking life in and for the world. To pause, to experience the gentle whisper where we find the table is prepared and present and the glory of the Father shows up. We are transformed by joy, friends, at the table. A good friend of mine um, and uh, a friend of Monique's, um, she had an opportunity to meet her, and she was a colleague of mine in our denomination, um, was taken home to be with her heavenly father a number of months ago. It was, uh, it was a life cut short by the brutal beast that is cancer. She was truly a woman of, of gentle leadership who desperately, she desperately desired to be an ambassador for Christ. She was the type of person, once you met, immediately you inherited a friend. You know those kind of people? My uh, former denominational team met a few days after we heard the news. So we could just take a few minutes to, to remember her. We cried, we laughed. We wondered, why God, why? It was during that time I found out that she had a, a tattoo on her forearm um, that said, consider it pure joy. So like any good pastor, uh, you want to find, where did that come from? <laughs> and that text comes from James 1. Listen to these words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One of the things that's really difficult in today's age is, is to pause and wait for God to show up. One of the blessings I found when we were going through COVID was it forced us to stop for a little bit. And it feels like we're back into that busy rhythm again. And, and I wonder, what is that doing us? Is that drawing us closer to God or further away? And so when I think about experiencing this, this element of joy, I pray that we will find those moments showing up, that we will stop running for a moment and experience the gift that is from Christ, that true joy. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for um, this time that we can have together to, to explore this, this text. And Father, we, we thank you that within it, um, there are things that we can pull away as um, learnings. Your prophet Elijah went through a lot 
And we're so grateful for that story. And so, Lord, I thank you now um, that, that we could hear it, that we could explore it, and most of all, that we can hopefully take one thing away from it, that we can experience the joy he experienced in the refreshment of the table with you showing up. And so, Lord, as we think about today, as we move forward into this week, I just pray that you, you speak to us clearly and walk with us during the busyness of our lives and help us to remain focused on you. May your glory be revealed through its telling. May we honor you in everything that we do and everything that we say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this recording. Just a reminder that you can find our website at rivercommunity.ca. There you can find our events calendar with information about upcoming messages and gatherings or sign up for currents. Feel free to send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Our services start 10 o'clock Sunday mornings and you are welcome to come early for coffee, tea, and bagels. Have a great week. Bye-bye.